0: Welcome to this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health, on ReachMD XM 157. Physicians at Ember University have combined virtual reality with MRI to develop a training and simulation tool which physicians can use to learn the procedure of carotid stenting. You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. You are listening to a special segment on future medicine. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School. And with me today is Dr. Christopher Cates, Assistant Professor at Emory University School of Medicine and the Director of Vascular Intervention at Emory University Hospital and Crawford Long Hospital and the Medical Director at Emory Angiographic Simulation Training Center. Welcome, Dr. Cates.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Hill. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Today we are discussing virtual reality simulation in carotid stenting. Dr. Cates, what are the risks involved in doing a carotid stenting procedure?
1: Well, the risks with the carotid procedure are very similar to many of the risks in doing intervention in the vascular space. But in the carotid, unlike the other areas that we work on, the end organ, that being the brain, is completely unforgiving. So a piece of material that may break off during the procedure could float upstream and cause a stroke, which of course is a devastating complication that would be immediately apparent.
0: Now, is this the same complication that can occur during a carotid endorectomy?
1: That is true. With a carotid stent procedure, however, we put a small embolic protection device, which is kind of like an umbrella, a detachable umbrella up at the base of the skull to catch any debris or material that is loosened during the procedure and it is caught by the embolic protection device and then can be safely removed after the procedure is completed.
0: So a carotid stenting procedure is not a surgical procedure per se?
1: No, it's a less invasive percutaneous procedure, which is done much like a coronary angioplasty, but an angioplasty and stenting of the neck artery that is done while the patient's awake and conscious throughout the entire procedure so that we can monitor their clinical capabilities.
0: And are we still doing endarterectomies?
1: We are still. endarterectomies. is a very good procedure. It's been time-tested, and is very good in the standard still for low risk patients carotid stenting however has been shown to be very effective in patients that are high risk for carotid endarterectomy surgery particularly those that have anatomic features that are difficult to do surgically, and patients that are high risk for clinical comorbid conditions, which some of the studies have shown at least as good as surgery, if not a lower risk for carotid stenting than with surgery in these high-risk patients.
0: So do you suspect that in the future we will be doing carotid stenting in these low-risk patients as well?
1: In fact, there are several studies that are ongoing to test just that hypothesis. And I suspect if it in fact is shown to be equal to surgery, obviously patients wanting a less invasive procedure may choose stenting. And so I suspect over time, as we get more information, more and more carotid stenting will replace carotid surgery.
0: And how long have we been doing carotid stenting?
1: Carotid stenting has been done for probably 12 to 13 years. We uh, did the first one in Georgia back in 1995, for example. And there have been thousands done since then in Georgia. And so we're learning more and more about the procedure. And it really offers a nice alternative to surgery in certain patients that don't want surgery or can't have surgery for other high-risk conditions.
0: And the long-lasting results of carotid stenting is equivalent to carotid endarterectomy.
1: It seems to be uh, at least equivalent, and in some cases may be better, in that there's virtually no cranial nerve injury that can occur with surgery with carotid stenting, and there's very low restenosis, or renarrowing rates after carotid stenting, which seems to be a little higher with surgery. But there certainly seem to be very comparable long-term results in both these types of procedures.
0: Well, how did you come up with the idea of combining MRI and virtual reality?
1: Well, it came upon what I would call a perfect storm, where various technologies became available at the time when we needed a means to train physicians in this new procedure called carotid stenting. There had been a non-coverage decision by CMS for many years not covering reimbursement for procedures like carotid stenting, and carotid angioplasty and therefore the only people that really had experience with carotid stenting were the highly trained professionals that were doing it under the clinical trials. When it became FDA approved There was a big interest among a number of different specialties, including surgeons, neurosurgeons, vascular surgeons, cardiologists, radiologists, interventional neuroradiologists, and even neurologists to learn to do this new procedure. And all those different professionals had different varying skill levels using catheters to do procedures. Therefore, virtual reality, that is simulation, became an obvious testing modality to train and test physicians prior to allowing them to do this fairly complicated and high-risk procedure. People that really did not have the previous skill sets to do carotid stenting or those that had skill sets but not experience doing carotid stenting. It was a much safer way to train this new procedure without having to work on patients where the patients would be at risk.
0: If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment on future medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Christopher Cates, Assistant Professor at Emory University School of Medicine and the Director of Vascular Intervention at Emory University Hospital and Crawford Long Hospital and the Medical Director at Emory Angiographic Simulation Training Center. Today, we are discussing virtual reality simulation in carotid stenting. Dr. Cates, what exactly is virtual reality?
1: Well, virtual reality has been around for many years. In fact, most of us growing up have used some type of video game back to the old Pac-Man era. Uh. Uh, And Pac-Man is, in fact, a virtual reality type of early technology. But virtual reality tries to recreate in a virtual way the procedure you're trying to learn in medicine. And it's only been applied to medicine over the last uh, 10 to 15 years to train laparoscopic surgeons in doing laparoscopic surgery, and most recently to train cardiologists in various other specialties in doing carotid stenting, but in the future may be used for very complex technologies like acute stroke intervention where we're going in and retrieving clot inside the brain in a live patient and training in that way, and also with some of the higher tech technologies such as pericutaneous valve treatment where we're Replacing valves without opening people up. Those are the new exciting ways that virtual reality is going to be used in the future.
0: Is virtual reality analogous to actually working on a live patient?
1: Well, in fact, what we're able to do is we're able to get digital information of your actual live patient, put it on the simulator, and actually do the procedure on your patient virtually in a process we call mission rehearsal prior to doing the case on a live patient. So you can actually go back and do what we've always had as an adage of practice makes perfect. You can practice on your patient and get it perfect prior to actually doing the procedure and putting your patient at risk.
0: Other than laparoscopic surgery, where do we use virtual reality for other procedures?
1: Well, we've used virtual reality for training in abdominal aortic aneurysm repair, Uh, We're using it now to train with new technologies in distal protection devices in saphenous vein grafts for complex coronary stenting. We're using it in closing holes between the atria in PFOs and ASD closure. And we're using it just this last week in Atlanta to train physicians for the first time in using virtual reality to go up and treat acute stroke teaching cardiologists and others how to do intracranial stenting to stop acute stroke using interventional cardiology techniques.
0: Why is it so important to use virtual reality as opposed to just using the mentorship of someone who has done this procedure many times?
1: Well, obviously, you know, patient safety is one of our premier and most important critical aspects of how we train nowadays. Uh, It used to be that training on patients was an accepted norm. I think with some of the institutes of medicine reviews lately and some of the experience in Europe where clinical errors and technique errors during procedural medicine have resulted in many deaths of patients, it is becoming less and less accepted to have new training and new technology be used on patients initially. Virtually, reality allows us to train new physicians in a new technique or train with new technology in a safe environment where we can see whether or not the technology works, see whether or whether or not the physician learns the appropriate technique, all in a safe environment where we can assess clinical skill prior to putting patients at risk.
0: So as a training tool, do you think that virtual reality will expand into every area of training of physicians, not just specifically carotid stenting?
1: Oh, I think there's great potential for that. In fact, the American Board of Internal Medicine has already done pilot studies to try to train cardiologists and other techniques, such as coronary angiography and coronary stenting, because historically, the way that we train physicians and credentialed or certified physicians in a certain area was all based on just taking a test. In the future, I suspect we will take a test to assess cognitive skill, but then we will put physicians on a simulator to make sure that they can actually provide and translate that cognitive skill into a technical procedural related skill and show that they can achieve a certain benchmark of proficiency in that technical skill prior to certifying that they can do it on patients.
0: Is this similar to airline pilots and people going into space in terms of their simulators as well?
1: Well, in fact, that is a very good point. In many areas of society, we have proficiency measures of individuals working in those areas. The airline pilots and recertifying on a simulator every year is just one example. We're just slow to the party in medicine, but I think the technology is now robust enough to where we can start to explore that, and I think that will be standard practice in the future, that physicians will be recredentialed or recertified doing different procedures on a simulator and must spend a certain amount of time on a simulator to continue their licensure in certain areas in the future. And we're just in an evolutionary phase right now where this technology is being validated to show that it does have the high-stakes assessment capability and validation to actually credential and certify.
0: I want to thank Dr. Christopher Cates, who has been our guest. We have been discussing virtual reality simulation in carotid stenting. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment about future medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to our special series, Exploring Heart Health. Join us all month for more here on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.